This is ESPN New York Tonight. You know what we do here on ESPN New York Tonight? Let's go to work. We begin with an unbelievable press conference this afternoon. Tipped off, and you heard it right here on 98.7 ESPN with the Bart and Han, about 12.30, 12.35, and it was the Steve Cohen Show. Now, I let me take my ESPN New York Tonight hat off for a second and put on the Met fan hat for just a moment. This was, as a Met fan, as encouraging a press conference as we've had. For a Met fan, this was like harps playing in the background, strings. You know, you can hear, oh, it was was just like, it was fabulous. It's everything that we've ever wanted to hear from an owner who wants to do the right thing. Okay, that's the Met fan. Now, here's the other part. Now, back to ESPN New York Tonight host. Yeah, drive, all this stuff. Okay. I've seen dozens and dozens and dozens of press conferences throughout my career. And there are so many of them who, so many teams, as we say in the business, win the press conference, right? That after the press conference, you say, wow, this is how it goes. This is what you want to hear. This is perfect. And... The game plan that Steve Cohen has laid out of his vision for this Met team is poignant. It makes sense. It follows everything that you would see in teams in Major League Baseball that run their franchises the right way. Okay? you. He wants to put – he's going to lean on the people – that know baseball, that have baseball experience. Logical. He doesn't appear to be a guy who's going to be overly involved. Logical. He has the idea of his goal being sustainable success. Logical. He has no problem spending money for free agents when necessary, but says he wants to make sure that he builds his team through the fundamentals, which means he's going to build through the minor leagues, He's going to build through the young talent, and wherever he needs to fill in, he'll sprinkle in with free agents. I'm like, that is as perfect a game plan as you could have and portray yourself as an owner. And how he handled the media questions was impeccable. So, obviously, you want to see how everything goes, right? The proof is in the pudding. He he could have the best intentions, and I believe he does. Does it? Now, for for Met fans, does it make a difference that he himself is a Met fan? I think so because you look at, oh, he's one of us. He's going to be okay. But honestly, looking at it logically, it doesn't matter whether he's one of you or not. That just adds frosting on the cake. The bottom line is, is he going to be able to do what he says he's going to do? And you'll kind of get an idea about how he's going to run this franchise by the moves that he makes. One thing that he did already, which I was impressed with, was when Sandy Alderson was asked, is Luis Rojas going to be the manager? And he said, honestly, I believe that he will be the manager, but I'm leaving the door ajar because of the general manager who's going to come in. I don't want that general manager to think that he doesn't have the option of having another manager. We'll have to discuss it. So once again, that's the way you do it. You don't bring a GM in and say, okay, this is our manager. You have to deal with them. 
Maybe they've got somebody that's better. Would it be unfair for Luis Rojas? Yeah, kind of. Because I thought he did a decent job last year. I thought he was, with what he had to deal with, first-year manager, uh, two pitches of your starting rotation not available to you, a bullpen that had some questions, uh, your your MVP, rookie of the year, who did not have the same type of year he had in his rookie year, but you still found ways to win games, you still found other players to play, and you held players accountable. So I thought for... A skipper in his first managerial job on a 60-year sprint, I thought Luis Rojas deserved another chance. I did. So all those things, I was really, really impressed with what I saw from Steve Cohen. So we'll get your calls about that at 1-800-919-3776. We'll also talk about the Jets. We'll talk about the Jets next hour, and I'll give you my thoughts about them. But I want you to think about our poll question tonight. At Hardesty ESPN, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. And our poll question is simply this. On the heels of what you saw today, which local team has the brightest future? Is it the Knicks? Is it the Jets? Is it the Mets? Or is it the Nets? Now, think about this. Obviously, I kind of outlined what you probably liked about the Mets. Let's talk about the Nets. From all indications, from all the published reports, from people that uh, have seen Kevin Durant play, they are saying that he is as dominant as he was before the Achilles injury. If that is the case with Kyrie Irving, with a very potent bench, with young talent, a new head coach in Steve Nash, uh, an experienced assistant coach in Mike D'Antoni, this net team could be poised to make a deep run into the Eastern Conference of the NBA this season. Season, as you know, it's ratified, starts December 22nd. All right, uh, the draft, November 18th, free agency, November 20th or 21st. So you look at what the Nets have done, and this is different from Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett oh, a couple of years ago, right? This is different. This is young, dominant talent. When you've got Kevin Durant, who is arguably in the top two or three of best players in the league, and you've got Kyrie Irving, who is in the conversation for, if not, one of the top two or three best point guards, well, best guards, because he he he's not just a point guard, right? He's a guy who can take the ball to the basket. Clearly, he can create his own shot. He can make people better, but he's a guy who has no trouble giving him giving offense. So I think that you know when you look at this net team, and we kind of saw it a couple of years ago, right? We saw it in in the first year, right? When they got to the postseason, they had a decent run under D'Angelo Russell's tutelage, okay, with Kenny Atkinson and what he did for that team and how those guys played together. And then last year, obviously, you know, with the shortened season, the injuries, uh, not having uh, no KD, uh, Kyrie Irving in and out of the lineup, and then post-COVID, uh, after they came back for the, the couple of weeks and then going to the postseason, obviously there was a difference. You lost some synergy. But you could see the makings of a team that had some talent, young talent, who could go deep. Obviously, they got some questions. You know, there's some things about Spencer Dinwiddie and whatnot. We'll talk about that in top stories next hour. So that's the situation with the Nets. You talk about the Jets, and right now you're looking at a team 
that has nine draft choices this year, nine draft choices next year. They're poised to have the number one pick this year, and they've got options. They can either trade the number one pick and get more picks, or they can take the number one pick if they get, if they and they're on. In, like I said, they're in line to get it. They could take that number one pick and take uh, Trevor Lawrence because I think he's leaving, uh, or you know whoever they want to take with the number one pick. So you could say that they are possibly going in the right direction. You, some of the young players that you saw last night, pretty good. Makai Becton's been dominant. Your concern is that hopefully he's not out for a long period of time, missing more games again because you want him to continue to play well and get better. Although he's been pretty, he's been pretty solid so far. Then you look at what Denzel Mims brought to the table. You saw Ashton uh, Davis make some decent plays in the secondary, improving from what happened to him in week uh, in his in his first appearance against Kansas City. So they, you could argue that they are starting with you know some things to have to go in the right direction. And then there's the New York Knicks, who also have a new front office structure with Leon Rose at the helm, who also has changed their scouting department, who also has made some changes, a new coach, okay, uh, in Tom Thibodeau. So you look, and they are also trying to do some things to turn their future around. They've got... Uh, three draft choices this year, two in the first round. Uh, they've got some money they could play with to see if they could get a lower-tier free agent to try to at least be a competitive team going forward. So these are why we took these four teams. Uh, obviously, some would say, Larry, why'd you leave out the Giants with what they have? The young defense has played well. Joe Judge looks like he's the guy uh, as a head coach. It looks like he could be the guy that's going to point them in the right direction. Some people like Daniel Jones. Some people don't like Daniel Jones. The one thing you like in the win against Washington, no turnovers. So that's a positive thing about him. So we could talk about that, but I think you'll agree that these four teams are the ones who have the biggest question marks, right, about the biggest question marks and have the best changes to make the possibility of them having the brightest future. So that's our poll question tonight. Which local team has the brightest future? Is it Knicks, Jets, Mets, or Nets? You can weigh in on the poll or call me. I'm really like thinking about this of trying to build a sustainable franchise. Okay, I don't want to be good one year and bad three years. Okay, I want to be good every year. And that's the goal. Steve Cohen, new Met owner at his press conference today. You're listening to ESPN New York tonight here on 987 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Also on Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Our poll question, which local team has the brightest future? Knicks, Jets, Mets, or Nets? And uh, I'll give you the poll numbers in a couple of minutes, but I want to give you some early responses. Okay. And it is, let's begin with... Uh, oh, boy. We got a lot of people weighing in early. All right. This is uh, at Sweet Chuck says the Rangers got a couple of Ranger votes and a couple of Islander votes. And um, I understand that we only had four spots to put them in, but both of them are definitely trending upward. You could you could say that they both are really kind of neck and neck, but I would give the Islanders a slight just a little slight uh, nod ahead right now because they've gone a little farther in the postseason, but, um, you know, this is going to be, 
this is going to be an interesting town for uh, hockey over the next couple of years. I would say that. Uh, also, at Go to Eddie says Giants, but not listed. And I explained about the Giants. At NYJNYKNYY fan, as long as the Johnson stay away from football operations, the Jets look good. Uh, also, uh, at Pat J13, are the Yanks no longer a local team? No, they're definitely a local team, but you would say that they are of those four we're talking about. You would say of those four, which one of those four have the best chance of moving forward to having uh, success? The Yankees already have success. No, they don't have that world championship yet, but they are what Steve Cohen just talked about. They have sustainable success because they, they go to the postseason every year. Now now their next challenge is to take that next step and bring home a championship, but they're in pretty good shape already. Uh, at JD underscore five, Mets are leading. Nets are like nine months away from their first championship. Uh, at Graphics Joker. Hey, Graphics says Mets and Islanders. So what say you? 1-800-919-3776. Also on Twitter at Hardest to ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Marvin's in the Bronx. Marvin, start us off on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, Larry, what's up? It's Marvin. Hey, Marvin, what's happening, partner? Hey, listen, first all, I want to give a shout-out to my fellow Marines. Today's Marine Corps birthday. And mm-hmm. to all my vets um, tomorrow, enjoy their day. And they really is the reason we have this this great country that we have. Absolutely. But I want to say something. I'm a big-time Yankee fan. You know that, Larry. Mm-hmm. And I caution Mets fans about the, the speech about I'm not going to be an absentee owner. I'm not going to be that involved. If you go back to the press conference in the 70s, I'm always remember George Steinbrenner said that also. <laughs> now, I got a lot of respect for what George did for my team. And I, I remember because I lived through those bad years in the late late 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. And he, 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 he put a bolt of electricity into into uh, the, the franchise and made and made it reestablish itself as a as a as a as the most prestigious franchise in um, all the sports. Mm-hmm. But he did say that at his at his press conference that he was going to be an absentee owner, and we know how that movie played out. Yeah, we sure do. <laughs> but not but not as a detriment, right, Marvin? It didn't turn out as a not detriment. No, not at all. Not Look, early. I, mean, I don't mean to rub it in, but the Yankees have won seven World Series in my lifetime. Yeah. Must be nice. Oh, that's right. You want, you want two? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got we, we got something, Marvin. We on the board. We on the board, Marvin. <laughs> Thank you, my man. Be All good. right, thanks for the phone call. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Mark is in Newark. Hey, Mark, you're next on ninety eight seven. Wow, I'm still batting second, man. Yeah, you, you know. know that feel? There you go. <laughs> and that's my boy, too. <laughs> <laughs> you already know. I know. Um, well, it's good It's good to talk to you, as always. Big shout to my man, Marvin. He just brings it every time. Mm-hmm. And I always, I always, my eyes get big when I hear him talking. There's always something that I've heard anybody say. Yep, um, I'm going, in this route, for me, I don't know who's gonna go first. My my interests are in my team. Sure. And in that baby, um, Larry, I've been telling you so much about these young cats for the Jets, mm-hmm. and and I finally got to see them. I mean, I got to see Jabiri, and I got to see Austin. Oh wow! I didn't know he was that good. He got burned once on a deep pass from a very very fast receiver in, in Tyree Hill. 
Mm-hmm. And he's really been showing up in that in that safety spot. I'm liking that. Um, I got to see Griffin play tight end more. I want to see more of that. Mm-hmm. I like him. Uh, Perryman, if, if he can just do the concussion thing and the, the, the knick-knack injuries, I like him. Nim showed up. I mean, every back then, I mean, every, every, he hit a home run with this draft. Now, what I really would like to see, and it's probably not going to happen. This is like really pie in the sky. Mm-hmm. But then I'd like to see James Morgan or White, more so Morgan. Um, I don't believe in Sam Darnold at all. Mm-hmm. Because I need a quarterback that can lead the defense, and and I'd like to see if Morgan, he's a big kid with a big arm and played pretty well in college. I'd like to at least see him in the game um, mm-hmm. if he could be the guy before everybody. Because you know, you never know, like Gardner Minshew or or yeah. even the new cats that are playing right now, the Bengals and these uh, yeah. young cats, oh, man, and, that, yeah. Herbert, you know, yeah. Josh, and, you know. I call him Unga Bunga Bunga because I can't say his name right without twisting my thumb. But for real, straight up, man, I'd like to see more than in the game. I'd like to see right in the game. Because before you go jumping off the roof and saying, but we got to tank and get tank. We don't got to do that. And get uh, the kids from Clemson or Fields. I mean, I'm, I really would like to see what we got in the house with these other young draft picks because I think that he hit it out the park. These boys really showed up and they showed that they got talent. Well, I'll say this, uh, Mark, and thanks for the phone call. Um, here's what you like. You like what you've seen so far, but remember the jury's still out. You you hope that they get better and better and and have sustainable success and be with this team a long time. You right now the goal is for this these draft choices to stay with the team because over the past couple of years they don't stay. So hopefully these draft choices will stay with the Jets. I caution you about White. I hear what you're saying. You'd love to see him, but listen, the Jets when Sam Darnold is available to play, Sam Darnold has got to play. And he's got to play because either you're going to trade him and how he plays is going to determine what you're going to get for him in the trade, or you're going to keep him, and or you may keep him and still take a number one pick and say, you know what, we'll take the we'll take the fourth year, okay? We'll put it behind the offensive line until the offensive line gets good, and then we'll bring in our next quarterback. I mean, you could do that too. I mean, teams have done it. How many teams get get ch- changed the young quarterback in the middle of the season? So there's three different options for the Jets here, but one of the options is very clear. If he's available, he's got to play because you have to see him. Even even if even if you've made up your mind, just for the trade value alone, he deserves to have the same opportunity that Joe Flacco had last night, and that was to play with his top three receivers. The top three receivers last night was the first time they were all available to be on the field simultaneously in week, week nine. So... You need to see what he could do. And listen, there was a difference in the Jets' offense. And I know the Patriots had issues. I know the Patriots had some injuries up front. I know the secondary, which is usually really good for the Patriots because they really didn't rush the passer a lot. Uh, they, they gave Flacco and give Flacco some credit for making some connections and, and taking advantage of that secondary. But this was the down-the-field offense that you had not seen from this team ever. Our poll question, which local team has the brightest future? Let me give you some poll numbers. A lot of voting in on this. Lots of votes in on this. 
I'll tell you who's coming in last first. The Knicks. 7.6% of you think the Knicks have the brightest future. 8.5% of you think the Jets have the brightest future. 29% say the Nets have the brightest future. And far and away, 54.9% say the Mets have the brightest future. But my colleague in the media, Greg Logan, weighs in and says the, re- the results of this poll are just dumb. <laughs> Nets have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, plus Kyrie Slavert, and will contend for a title. Mets have a new owner who can't hit a 96-mile-per-hour fastball. That's the, that's the type of writing that Greg Logan has in Newsday, too, by the way. Uh, at Eddie Bell's, and Isles got to be number one. Uh, at Lincoln Corbetti, Corbetti, Rangers have a nice young nucleus also. So <laughs> at JLC121 says option E. I guess that would be, um, we don't have any. So come on, come on. JLC, play along. And at Marty Chip says, Knicks, LOL. You guys are hard on the Knicks, aren't you? Well, it's, it's understandable. Back to the phones we go. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on 98.7. Hey, what's going on, Uncle Larry? How you doing, big bro? I'm doing good, Buddha. What's happening? Hey, listen, first of all, man, first, I got to say, rest in peace, man. Alex Trebek. Yeah. got to be honest with you, man. You know, he fought a good fight. Mm-hmm. Um, as you get older, and this is the things you used to hear that, you know, your older people in your family talk about. Every day you just keep losing little bits of your, of your past. Mm-hmm. You know, the Gong Show, the Muppet Show, yeah. you know, Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune. These are shows that, you know, you sat down and the whole family could watch together and be entertained. Right. One yeah. too many of those, you know what I mean? That's right. You definitely don't have much of that these days. Everything's separate. Yeah, that's um, true. With the poll question, I give it to... Um, I like the, what Cohen is, uh, Cohen is doing and what he's saying because uh, it's going to make the team that I think that'll be the, the, the next to win will be the Yankees. He's going to force the hand. You know, Cashman, um, he, he hasn't been up to par in the last few years. It'll put Boone on the clock, but you know the Yankees are not going to let the Mets outshine them. So if this mm-hmm. guy's going to spend money, we're going to spend money too, and we're going to be right back where we need to be in that World Series. Um, you know, the obituary on Drew Brees, I think that was a bit premature. I'd say so. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. Oh, my God. I'm listening. They're talking about Taysom Hill as the backup. Listen, Brad Smith threw more passes in Shotty's round-and-pound offense than Taysom Hill is thrown in three years. If Sean Payton thought he was going to be a quarterback, that guy would be doing more than just those little quarterback throws. But um, that's another story for another day. And that's saying something, because uh, Brad Smith yeah, hardly Brad, ever tell me, <laughs> tell me about it. Minka Fitzpatrick, that trade was a win-win, it looks like. You know what yeah, I mean? absolutely. For everybody concerned, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That kid is making plays all over the field. He saved Pittsburgh then, Sunday. You know, yeah, right? And then um, with the Jets, you know, in my hydrated Jets dream that I have every once in a while, you know, I wake up, you know, and... um. Tony Dungy has agreed to come out of the booth mm. and turn his organization around, and he brings Lewis Riddick with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, y'all could keep Joe Douglas there. He can help out, you know, but he needs supervision. His, be- his best jobs were when he was supervised. Mm-hmm. You give me Tony Dungy coming here, their culture will change in 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. We will have a defense here. You have a man of class and dignity as the head 
front man of the organization. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we all know Lewis Riddick knows his stuff. I mean, he's yep. pretty good on the on the Monday night. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I need Lewis Riddick there to emphasize what he always talks about, what, what, what the Jets' problem has been for quite a while. Yeah. It's not about the acquisition of players. It's about the development. Mm-hmm. He destroyed one player already, you know, and as bad as, as he's played, you know, the Jets are culpable in that. I'm sorry. It ain't all his fault. And, um, you know, like, like people talk about, you, you bring another person in here, another quarterback, you can draft all the draft picks you want. It's like children. If you don't teach them, then they will run amok. Mm-hmm. You have to have a teacher in here. And, I mean, I, I don't know if there's any possibility of that happening, but that's the kind of move that the Jets need. Uh, it has to be something like that. Bro. It can't be the same old, we're going to try and experiment with the coordinator. People might not like this, but i got to keep it real. They bring another black coordinator in here. Know the deal. His clock is going to be a little bit shorter than than, than needs to be. You know, like every enemy, he's not taking his job, and he'd be he, he, smart not to take it. But you know, that that's what they need to do, man. Seriously, man. You know, I, but you know, we'll see. You know, last night was just a repeat of whatever's been going on here for the last four or five years. Flacco uh, mm-hmm. did come in and look like he, he was able to run an offense better, but I mean, Flacco was trained somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So he's able to overcome the foolishness that's here. Yeah. But anyway, my brother, you have a good night, man. You Take too, Buddha. All right, we'll talk again. Uh, you know, he made some Buddha made some interesting points, and I think one of the things that that you really this Met Yankee deal is competition is great. Competition helps everybody. You hear coaches. Have love to have competition, especially in football. You hear them all, you know, we want to push each other. Competition brings out the best in everybody. You keep pushing each other and pushing each other. And even though Steve Cohen says that he is not in competition against the Yankees, he's in competition against, you know, most of his National League folks, uh, he also said that he felt that this was not a, you know, <laughs> minor league team, to paraphrase him. This is not a minor league city. This is a top city. So that meant that they deserve to spend like it's a number one market. So I do believe that he and, uh, you know, Hal Steinbrenner are going to have a nice little race. Now, what it does, and Buddha's, is Buddha's correct, is it does focus them because they're thinking about, you know, on the Yankee side, they want to win a championship. And, and listen, the clock is ticking on them, too. The clock is ticking on them because they they get there. And because their culture is championship or bad season, championship or failure. And so for you to live that and for you to have that as your identity is an interesting thing. And so, you know, to keep that up, and now that you have a new guy in town, you want to make sure that if you're the Yankees and you believe you own this town and through success you do, uh, you know, you want to hold on to that town championship. But if you're the Mets, you want to be the kids that come in and say, hey, guess what? We, we can play well, too. And that's what makes the city great, right? That's what would be fabulous if you could have the Mets and Yankees being having sustainable success every year that they both get to the postseason and both have a chance to win a World Series. That would be great. Okay? I mean, I would love that for all the teams. 
that, that would make it fun. That's why you were, we're trying to get this poll to give you your, your thought process of, of who's on, in the right track. And obviously, I understand the bias of putting the Mets ahead because you, Steve Cohen had this press conference today. And so you're thinking you're, you're, you're running off that adrenaline and reacting to the comments that he had. But even though, as I mentioned earlier, there are other teams who are pointed in the right direction. I think the Giants are pointed in the right direction. I, I'm not sure when they'll get there. All right. Uh, but they're pointed in the right direction. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do with their general manager. Do you, do you bring Dave Gettleman back? I mean, you know, the question is, the draft choices that he picks seem to be playing better, right? But on the record, you're still 2-7. So, you know, somebody's got to take the blame for that. Did he give them enough talent? We'll figure that out. Uh, we mentioned, and, and briefly, we talked about the Rangers and Islanders, young teams who are moving in the right direction. Listen, and with excellent leadership. And that's what it comes out to, right, is who's running your front office and who's coaching your players. And that's the other thing that Buddha was alluding to, and we all know. We talk about it with the Knicks. They have draft choices, but who's there to develop that talent to make them NBA players, to acknowledge that there's something missing from their game and these things have to be put back for you to make it in the NBA? I had a conversation recently with uh, somebody who, was, who asked me about R.J. Barrett and asked me why R.J. Barrett. I thought R.J. Barrett was, you know, a more finished player because he played at Duke. Well, he was finished at Duke. <laughs> he was a system guy. He was great at Duke. Okay? He was great. And he was the number two guy. So all eyes weren't on him. And so now you get to the NBA and you see the deficiencies in your game. That's why the great ones constantly work to improve in the offseason because as with any sport, as people see your game, they take things away from you. And if you don't have other options, other moves, other ways to score, other ways to help your team, if you don't have other ways to do that, you're not going to be as successful. And that's the issue that a lot of the New York teams have. The Knicks have it. The Jets have it. The Mets have had it. Hopefully, they're turning the corner. And so that's what makes this time right now so interesting, that hopefully, as we, come, as we turn the page in this decade, we'll have some more winners. We'll have some more fun in this town. Instead of, in the middle of the season, talking about the draft at week eight and nine. Answer our poll question tonight, which has gotten a lot of response from folks. I'm I'm really uh, intrigued by the amount of people who have uh, responded to this uh, poll question tonight. And it has, uh, you know, it's a very simple question for you. It is, which local team has the brightest future? Is it the Knicks, the Jets, the Mets, or the Nets? And we've had some interesting polls. A lot of folks are upset with us because we left out uh, the local hockey teams. And I just think the local hockey teams are really in, in better shape than the teams that we have. <laughs> than the teams that we've got going, with the exception of the Nets. But I really wanted to put the Nets in because of the fact that, you know, they were a team last year who made this big move. Understood, signed two big free agents, primetime free agents, top-of-the-line talent in the National Basketball Association. And um, 
you know, when you look at what you've got with, uh, you know, Kevin Durant, and you look at what you got with Kyrie Irving, these are players who there's no question who can make a difference in this team. So, you know what? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where they go and what they're able to do. And, uh, you know what? We got a story about the Nets. So here's a good time to go to top stories. What's up, Chuck? Chill out. Let's go, baby. It's going down. It's your dog to DJ Chuck. Chill out. And right now you're listening to ESPN New York Tonight with the homie Larry Harnstein on 98.7 ESPN. Yo, Larry, what's the top story of the day? Top story, my friend, is the Steve Cohen era in New York. It's officially begun. The Mets are on top of the world after beating the Cubs in the NLCS in 2015 to advance to the World Series. Since then, they've won just one playoff game. After today's press as a Mets fan, you came away with the feeling that maybe the tide is turning. So Steve Cohen was asked, are you close to contending? We have holes to fill. And, uh, you know, clearly we need to you know, fill a catching and we need to, um, uh, you know, we need more pitching. Uh, we have a pretty good core of, of, of core offensive players. I think that, you know, so we have, we have good young players, you know. We have the best pitcher in baseball. I think that helps a lot. Um, so we have, we have a lot to build around. And so, uh, but, you know, we came in fourth three years in a row. So, you know, the results speak for themselves. Continuing with top stories on 98.7 ESPN, let's go back to Steve Cohen's press conference. After asking, are you close to being a contender, he was asked, will you spend more money in free agency? Well, I'm not going to talk about a budget today. Um, you know, Sandy and I have been in conversations on that. And uh, But what I do believe is this is a major market team, and I should have a budget commensurate with that. How about competing with the Yankees, Steve? I'm not competing against the Yankees. Okay, I mean, this is the Mets. We're going to create our own excitement. You know, I'm competing against, uh, you know, 29 other clubs in, in MLB. All right, so, uh, you know, it comes down to, you know, us making good decisions, um, being, uh, you know, taking advantage of opportunities that arise, um, which we're going to do. Let's look at the Yankees. Speaking of them, tomorrow's the day the Yankees find out if DJ LeMay, who accepts their $18.9 million qualifying offer. Now, he's not short on other suitors. Blue Jays expected to make a run in him. Toronto already struck out on the free agent market. Already struck on the free agent market. Rather, they signed left-hander Robbie Ray to a one-year $8 million deal. Now, LeMay, who could play third for the Blue Jays. Don't forget Boston, who wants a second baseman. And in the National League, both the Giants and Dodgers had interest in LeMay, who a couple of years ago. And <clears throat> don't forget the Mets. Turn to the NFL. To many, it was a surprisingly close Monday Night Football contest between the Jets and Patriots. The biggest shocker for Jet fans, 27 points. 27. Wasn't enough, though. They lost 30-27 to as the clock expired. Jets fell to 0-9 for the first time in franchise history as they blew double-digit leads a couple of times. Adam Gase, what's it like being 0-9? Gave everything they had and, you know, just uh, have, have a few mistakes that really cost us and cost us the game. Sam Darnold was on the Michael K show today. And one thing that jumped out at you, Jet fans, was the fact that Joe Flacco was able to go down the field. Yeah, obviously he's got a relationship with Perryman because they played together in, Bal in the Baltimore. But the ball down the field, Denzel Mims made a couple of plays. How about that great touchdown pass to Jamison Crowder in the end zone? So, Sam, what's the idea that you can't throw down the field? 
Are you able to do that, Sam? Is that why they don't put it in? They don't think you could throw the deep ball because they they really don't have that many deep balls that we've seen this year. <laughs> no, I'm I'm very capable of it. Um, yeah, again, like I said, I think it's just a combination of some things that um, you know either happen inside the pocket or outside the pocket. The losing nine consecutive games. Are you demoralized with all this losing, Sam? Are you broken? Are you demoralized by all the losing that's gone over the last three years? No. No, not at all. Is it tough not to be? No, not at all. You know, it's again, it's a great organization, and we have great people in the building. I think, you know, obviously things just haven't gone our way. Um, and, you know, that's just, that's it. And, you know... I'm, I'm going to continue to do everything that I can, uh, you know, every single week that I that I can play to be able to put this team in the best position possible to win football games. So last night on Countdown, Adam Schefter was asked, what could the Jets get if they traded Sam Darnold? Here's the deal. Basically, if the Jets get the number one pick, even the number two pick, they're going to take that quarterback. And then you move off from Sam Darnold and you auction him off to the highest bidder. And when you speak to people around the league about Sam Darnold, I think there's definite interest, but it's probably not as high as I thought. I think they get back maybe what the Arizona Cardinals once got back from Josh Rosen, a two and a five, some combination like that. That was the sense that I got in talking to a variety of front office executives. Which is exactly why you don't want to go to a bad place. Yes. <laughs> well, and by the way, it's a deep quarterback class, so a lot of these teams are going to want to go draft their own guy and bring him in. Yeah. And then when you add to it a guy with a shoulder problem who hasn't played a full season in his career, it makes it iffy. But before we talk about trading Darnold, is Trevor Lawrence going to come out? He had the press conference today. My mindset is is, is the same, and I, I really don't want to talk about it anymore, honestly. I'm just trying to enjoy my last, whatever, few months here, if that's what it's going to be. So whatever I decide to do, you guys will, you guys will know in, in January or February. So just... Um, I'm just trying to enjoy it, and obviously I'm not trying to make a stir. I don't want any more people talking about me than they already are. So um, my thing is I'm just never going to corner myself to where I have to do something just because of something I said in the past. So I'm leaving the door open for all my options. A couple other notes in top stories. Corey Ballantyne, the second-year cornerback who started the first two games this season for the Giants, was waived today as they activated Will Hernandez off the reserve COVID-19 list. Also activated receiver Dante Pettis. Ballantyne, your 2019 sixth-round draft pick, played in 22 games with four starts. Could be signed to the practice squad if he clears clears waivers, but he lost his role as a kickoff returner and did not play a single snap on defense Sunday in the win over Washington. Hernandez, you remember, missed the last two games after testing positive for the coronavirus. And finally, according to friend of the show Ian Begley of SNY, there are numerous top teams in the Western Conference that have expressed an interest internally in trading for the point guard that is Spencer Dinwiddie, the 27-year-old entering in what could be the final year of his current contract. He holds a $12.3 million player option for 21-22, so he could opt out and hit free agency next offseason if he wanted to maybe the Nets uh, know they can't sign him because of uh, some other very talented expensive players they have perhaps they make a move that's top stories for today thank you Mr. Ty Brian and Jake Brian I gotta ask you how is the 
all-time greatest television show going with my good friend Gordon Damer in the morning on this poll question? Well, since I was doing it, it was getting very interesting, right? Mm -hmm. There was a day that The Wire could have been eliminated. What? Uh, yeah, and the first day to enter, but it actually didn't. Um, mm -hmm. And it eliminated The Office, which was a favorite. Mm -hmm. uh, from uh, It was there from day one, and they got elim eliminated that day, so... I don't know how it's going to be. Like, I, I'm, I keep looking at it because I'm just curious how it's going to happen after I left. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, but uh, I feel like The Sopranos should make it to the end. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, and, I, and I know that he's very happy that his dolphins are no longer on the, uh, on, on the poop list. Oh, the poop rankings. Yes. yes. He loves them <laughs> poop rankings. Yep. Yeah. The Jets are still probably number one. They probably are. And at 0 and 9? The only winless team in the NFL, rightfully mm, so. Yeah, it's a it's a very it's a struggle with the poop rankings, but it's a you want to be in the poop rankings sometimes. Yeah, you do mm -hmm. if you if you want to get better, and if you want to <laughs> get the number one pick. So that's it, absolutely. So that's Gordon Damer. You can check him out tomorrow morning from five to six, followed by Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin. That's our morning show from six to nine. Jeremy Fowler, Ryan Clark, Heather Dinich, and Nolan Smith are among the folks you will hear tomorrow morning. That's. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, you find them after Gordon Damer, right before DCR, DPHO Canty and Rothenberg on 98.7 ESPN. Back to the phones we go. Andrew's in Washington Heights. Hey, Andrew, you're next on 98.7. Larry, how you doing, man? How you doing, Big L? I'm doing good, Andrew. What's happening, partner? Oh, listen, man. See, I'm a lifelong, I'm 26 years old, Jet fan ever since I saw 28 put on that green and white. Curtis Martin, of course. Oh, of course. And it's just like... Why was I able to get more out of Mark Sanchez in his first two years with a, you know, a Thomas Jones, Butterfinger Edwards, uh, and, you know, a Rex Ryan than I am out of Sam Darnold out of his first two years? And he has a Le'Veon Bell. And, you know, I don't think they have horrible weapons, as we saw this Monday night. Flacco was able to get the best out of them, you know, like, I just don't understand. There was no buzz coming out of Mark Sanchez, but all this buzz of Sam Darnold, you know? Well, there were several things at play here, Andrew, and, and when you look at that Jet team and you look at this Jet team, the one thing, there's two things that jump out at me right away. Number one is with Rex Ryan, you had a coach that had an identity. The identity for this team was ground and pound. You run the football you put Sanchez in the position where all he has to do is not mess it up. Okay, you manage the game. Don't throw the pick. And, and, and you know, you remember the issues you had. We had different color, that different color charts where, you know, yellow, you could take it, be careful, and green was okay, and red, you couldn't do anything. So they had some issues with, <laughs> with Mark Sanchez too. But the key thing here was that offensive line was light years, it's not even in the same sentence. Andrew, and thanks for the phone call. Yeah. As this offensive line that you got now, now it's the, you. It, it's a, you can't even call this an offensive line compared to that. You know, with with uh, DeBrickashaw Ferguson and uh, you know Damian Woody and and uh, Nick Mangold and company. I mean, that was uh, Brandon Moore. That was a solid offensive line that even when you knew they were going to run the football, you couldn't stop them from running the football. I mean, they ran like 300, 400 yards, you know, of offense up on, on Buffalo uh, during those years. So 
that was the one thing. Because you had a running game, the pressure was not on Mark Sanchez to have to make some plays. The other thing, Andrew, you have to remember is, yeah, they look great last night because that's the first time all three of those receivers have been on the field this year. So you now kind of see that you have a way that you can make some plays if you're able to give the offense, if the offensive line is able to give your quarterback some time, which they were able to do. But see, unfortunately, you still didn't learn anything because Mark San- um, Mark Sanchez, Sam Darnold was not the quarterback last night. That's Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco, he's not your future. Might be a backup next year, but he's not your future. All right, Sam Darnold's your future. You want to see him have those type. You want to see him with that type of chemistry with the long passes downfield. That's what you want to see instead of the five-yard outs and, and the three-yard slants that they've been running when he's in there. So, listen, I hope after the bye week, which I agree that they should not play him, and they did a nice job not playing him, so he's got this week and the bye week, he should be able, when they come back, to be able to get the ball downfield. We want to see what he's able to do because ultimately that's what that's his play is going to make the decision for the Jets as to what they should do. And they've got three choices. They can trade him. They can trade him, trade him and draft Trevor Lawrence. Or they can keep him and trade the draft choices. Or they can keep him and still draft Trevor Lawrence and keep both of them and then, you know, get rid of him next year until depending on what they do with the offensive line. Because guess what? I wouldn't put my I don't want to put my quarterback behind this offensive line and and, and a number of these veterans on this offensive line not gonna be here next year. And rightfully so. They've they've not played well. Now, last night they played better. They played better last night, but I don't think really and this is to take nothing away from them, but I mean did Belichick really put a whole lot of pressure on them? Did he really do the things that Belichick normally does? Clearly not, because Joe Flacco, you know, was airing the ball out like it was okay. I mean, they I mean they constantly beat folks. I mean, Flacco, what, 18 to 25, 262 yards, three touchdowns. No, there's nothing wrong with your smart device. I said three touchdowns. <laughs> Jets had 322 yards of total offense. 322 yards. But here was the downside. Okay? Here was the downside. Is the fact that they scored quickly. You go back and you look at how long that Jet defense was on the field. Okay? The Jets ran 44 plays. New England ran 76 plays. 76. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a long time (laughs) to be out on the football field. 76 plays. They, They had the ball almost 37 minutes. New England did. 10 play drive, 15 play drive, all and on and on and on and on. And so by the fourth quarter, this jet defense was shot. The offense was scoring great, but still. And here's here's what really bothers you. 
New England was averaging just under like average six yards per play. Average. And who did the Jets really miss last night? They really missed Quentin Williams because New England was able to run the ball, run the ball, and they ran right up the gut. Right up the middle against the Jet defense. Quentin Williams is there. They don't do that. They don't do that. He's had a really, really, really good year. He really has. And so these are the things when you look at, you know, when you look at the Jet games, that's that's the big thing. That's why, and still, once again, 20 points in the first half for the Jets, seven in the second half. They cannot make the adjustment and find a way to score points in the second half. Okay, we know that teams make adjustments at halftime. Why can't they counter the adjustments from what they see that teams are taking away from them? And it continues to happen in the second half. So these are the things, uh, Andrew, that, you know, you didn't have in the, the years when the Jets were winning because they would have long drives, they would eat up the clock, and, you know, you turn the ball over to your defense and, you know, your defense would try to hold on, even though you know that Rex was a blitz master and loved to do different exotic defenses. And when he was in the lab, when he came out, you just never knew between him and Mike Pettin what they were going to come up with. Pettin, by the way, doing a really good job at Green Bay's defense. Doing a really nice job there. Really nice job. Uh, so, you know, those were the differences, really. Better offensive line, better run game. Uh, that team, a better tight end, because Dustin Keller was a player that was, you know, won his battles. At this point, because of what he's been asked to do, a more successful quarterback. I'm not going to say he's better. I'm going to say he's more successful. I mean, as much as Jet fans just go crazy, this kid won, like, playoff games on the road because the Jets didn't win the division, so they were always on the road for the postseason. Well, he's got four playoff wins on the road. Four. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty.